Carlisle Road, and he saw the moon's twin shining on a large puddle ahead. He sent the near-side wheels slicing through the water, slashing spray into the trees beside the road. The man chuckled, feeling like a little boy again, riding his bike down the long hill to the pretend lake that gathered there after the rain. Just as he reached it, he would lift his legs to the handlebars and watch as the water rose on either side of him like two triumphal arches. As he swung the steering wheel to glide the saloon car into Controse Avenue, a shadow moved in front of him. He hit the brake and spun the car, just as the child's bicycle scraped the front wing. As soon as the car screeched to a halt, the driver scrambled out. The boy had fallen into the gutter and was picking himself up, his eyes large and frightened. The driver ran to him. The boy looked at the man, who was tall, his hair close-cropped and neat, and searched his eyes for signs of anger. There were none. The man sighed in relief as he saw the boy was unhurt. You all right, son? Yeah. You shouldn't be out this late, and you ought to have lights on that bike. It's a BMX. They don't have lights. Well, be careful. You nearly died just then. I will. Sorry. He ruffled the boy's hair. The man who never made a mistake never made anything, but learned from it. He grinned at the boy, who mounted the BMX and set off at speed. The man shook his head and continued the drive home. Once there, he made a telephone call, ate a meal of cheese on toast, showered and settled down to watch a movie on video. It was an old favourite, but he never tired of it. On Golden Pond, with Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda. This time he shed no tears. He switched off the TV and thought of the boy, and how close he'd come to killing him. He shivered. His own bike hadn't been a BMX. They didn't have those fifteen years ago. His had been a rally tourer. Second-hand, but beautifully maintained. Dad had fixed it up a treat. He was good with his hands, loved to repair things. But some things couldn't be repaired, especially when no one knew they were broken. Don't think about it, he told himself. He walked to the cocktail cabinet and poured himself a gin. At midnight, he showered and changed into a dark sweater, combat trousers and trainers. He took what looked like a black woolen hat from a desk drawer and walked outside to the garage. Lifting the up-and-over door, he climbed into the blue Sierra and switched on the ignition. He didn't like the car much. It was too heavy. "'You've been spoiled,' he said, thinking of his own vehicle's power steering. He wrenched the wheel and manoeuvred the Sierra out onto the drive, then returned to lock the garage. It was a beautiful night. He drove across town until he reached the road parallel to his destination. He cut the engine, allowing the car to coast to a parking space near the corner. Scanning the nearby buildings, he saw no lights at the windows. He exited the car, keeping to the shadows until he reached the house. It, too, was dark. From a leather pouch on his belt, he took a six-inch needle, which he rammed into a large cork. 
He placed it on the wall of the front garden, then lifted his hands to his woollen hat and tugged. The hat stretched down into a balaclava mask, leaving only his eyes showing. Across the brow was a single word, neatly embroidered in white. Death. Death.